summer, say it isn't so, edition of the CPG Scoop. We want to, well, ice cream is a year-round food. We've already established that. So it really has nothing to do with seasonality. But we are so excited to have our end of August uh, CPG Scoop here. I am Risa Crandall. And I am Jennifer Silverberg. Uh, we are thrilled to have Michael here joining us um, on our end of, end of summer scoop uh, to share all of his wonderful wisdom with us today. Fantastic. Absolutely. Welcome, welcome, Michael. So we wanted to jump right in and have you share with our wonderful CPG Scoop audience a little bit about yourself, your background, and you know, you've done some really fantastic things in your career and now are in a really exciting different role. And we'd love you to share that journey with our team. Sure. Thanks. I appreciate uh, the time today and for, for you both having me. Uh, so my name is Michael Lockyer. I'm currently serving as the Vice President of Brand Development at the Independent Grocers Alliance, IGA. My background, as you mentioned, Risa, is, is kind of varied. Um, spent almost 17 years at the Coca-Cola company. Uh, started out in consumer promotions, moved into the brand organization, so I ran the Powerade brand. Turned that into a billion dollar brand, which was just super fun, especially for those of you who like sports and uh, other fun stuff like that. Uh, then moved over to digital and loyalty and ran the My Coke Reward business, taking that from 2 million to about 25 million members. I like to joke that uh, we were first party data before it was called first party data. Uh, and then from that point on moved, uh, what I like to say, closer to the cash register. So I spent a year loaned out to Wakeford Foods ShopRite grocery store. Uh, commuting up to scenic Elizabeth, New Jersey, and if you've <laughs> ever been there, uh, and worked with them on shopper marketing strategies, helped them revamp their loyalty program, and even got a chance to work on a health and wellness strategy. Then came back to Coca-Cola, ran the shopper marketing strategy and capability team, so partnerships, defining the Coca-Cola way of shopper marketing across channels, establishing a digital shopper marketing group. I uh, did that for about three years, left, uh, started my own consulting firm, worked with folks like USA Today, Walmart, Kimberly-Clark, Alcon, and even Dollar One startups in the food and beverage space. And then this past February, IGA acquired my consulting firm, uh, What Brands Want, which still exists, and we help um, a lot of clients still within the IGA framework. And now at IGA, I'm responsible for all brand partnerships outside of retailers and wholesalers. And for those of you not familiar with IGA, uh, we're a global company representing independent grocery retailers, about uh, roughly $43 billion globally and about 6,500 uh, rooftops here in the U.S. We're north of 10 billion and uh, just about 2,000 retailers. Wow. So 2,000 different retailers and 6,500 rooftops. So all sizes. Yeah, all sizes. Everything from, uh, you know, uh, fourth generation having one store in a market for obviously a, a long time to uh, larger chains that are uh, 200, 300 stores. And what are you hearing? Sorry, I'm going to go a little off script here. But um, what are you hearing are the objectives of these retailers right now? What are they... What are they thinking about? Yes, I think, you know, so our job is to help independent grocery retailers retailers sell more. Uh, And so obviously, as you 
sort of allude to, it's a very challenging environment uh, coming out of COVID, coming out of supply chain issues. There's still a lot of wonky things happening. Uh, inflation, right? A basket that used to be $35 is now maybe $50. So even though inflation has moderated, you know, it's only 2% instead of 8%. That's 2% on top of 8% on top of 5% uh, to get you to that 50-ish dollar basket. So I think shoppers are seeking value and uh, retailers are seeking ways to deliver more value and to ensure that the shopping experience is better, whether that's in-store or online. So that brings us to our my favorite question always, which is if you were going to use a single word to describe the overall CPG marketing space right now, what's your word? Challenging. Challenging. Okay. Help me understand, add some dimension to that if you would. Yeah. And probably had you asked me that question 10 years ago, I might have answered it the same way because I think uh, the, the ecosystem that we operate in um, in terms of, uh, for the most part, through retailers versus DTC, that direct relationship doesn't always exist, which creates a lack of data. It also creates challenges in the case of, you know, you're not locked into a subscription model. You're not a, a, a restaurant where there's uh, exclusivity. So I think, you know, you, you have to earn the business of shoppers every day and shoppers are constantly evolving, constantly changing in terms of the way that they think and the way that um, you need to motivate them to take out their wallets. And so obviously uh, the world we live in with inflation and with uh, omni-commerce changing just makes it even that much more complicated. You, how much are you drawing as you as you answer that? How much are you drawing on your history with brand marketing versus how much now on the retailer side? Is it both? There is one more challenging than the other, or what's happening? I, I think the challenges all come based on where you set. So um, I, I think the CPG world is challenging. I think the retail world is challenging, and you know it's always kind of that three-legged stool of understanding the shopper, understanding what's important for CPG and understanding what's important for retailers, uh, what we used to call it Coke, the triple win. Uh, if you can find that sweet spot, that's going to add value primarily for the shopper because they're the one paying the bills. And then it works for CPG, right? You're not taking advantage or taking too much money out of the system. And it works for retailers where, again, you know, in case of uh, CPG is not, uh, not taking too much margin and not trying to take too much revenue, uh, if you can create those triple wins, that's going to be the, the best recipe for success. Yeah, so true. So true. And we should all be striving for that triple win in everything that we do. Um, that's important. And can you tell us, Michael, too, like what, what you see right now in the industry? What are some of the challenges? Because you use challenge as your word, um, but also what opportunities does that create? You know, a challenge always kind of segues into an opportunity for, for brands and retailers to think about. Yeah, so uh, going back a little bit to Jennifer's question, I think having the perspective of coming from CPG and now being at retail makes me appreciate and probably understand better the the challenges that both sides face. Mm -hmm. uh, having spent that time at, at Wakefern early on in my earlier on in my career, I think helps give me perspective too, right? Um, and understanding what's important, how you make decisions. 
uh, how you interact with others within the industry, whether you're CPG or retail. I think those are key things that are, are needed. And perhaps uh, if you were to ask me to describe the, the best way of operating within the environment, I might say sympathy. Mm-hmm. So understanding uh, what's important to each player, just like we said with the triple win, is, is, is the key and understanding that, you know, you might want X as a retailer, but from a CPG perspective, that's just not how they're wired or how they're, they're operating. So you can, you know, you can bang your fist on the desk all day long, but it still wouldn't happen because of the structure. So I think having that sympathy, having an understanding of others uh, is important in business, no matter where you sit. How, how is IGA playing into that? for your for your member is it members or what would, what do you call the members retailers uh, okay. yeah so i think a lot of it is given that we have almost 2000 rooftops here in the us uh, as well as global you know when when we get asked questions whether that's from our members or the cpg community about well you know are you seeing this or could we do this it's probably happening somewhere within our network uh, mm-hmm. And so, you know, we can tap into what's happening in Ireland with meal planning and prepared foods and bring a great example of something that's being done uniquely. We can talk to our retailers in South Africa or Australia uh, and, and bring them value of things that we're doing here in the States. So the, the opportunity to learn within our network is, is very important. Uh, but in terms of how we deliver, how we work with with partners, it really is that it's a partnership, uh, creating more strategic relationships with both CPG as well as other third parties. Again, with that goal of helping independent retailers sell more, and so that's the goal of CPG for the most part too. So we establish ongoing partnerships where uh, you know the good news is IJ operates as a not for profit. So uh, we bring uh, the tools, both communicating directly with the retailers. Uh, and since we're not owning retailers, since we're uh, not selling items to retailers, they listen to us very differently than, uh, in some cases, CPG manufacturers or wholesalers. But we can bring value to that equation by standing up for retailers for almost 100 years now. And it, it sounds like you're able to bring the insights that a big multinational retailer would be able to see to retail. That's a really cool idea to be able to do that. Yeah. So um, in in taking on this new assignment uh, to some extent, it's an evolution of the consulting work that I've been doing for the past 10 years. And that's sort of bringing now a more consultative disciplined planning approach of what's the objective of the CPG and deciding that together and really owning those numbers together to say, if you're trying to introduce a new item, if you're trying to make a more occasion-based connection, got the objective, we can then work together using retailer-specific tools, shopper-specific tools to make that happen. And really the goal is, you know, to make sure that the value that's coming out of the system is greater than the value coming into the system or investment coming into the system. <laughs> yeah, that's that's really interesting way to, to think about it. You know, I don't know that all of our our marketing community does have that that thought process on, right? It's, it is different. 
Yeah, and you know the the way we try and approach it is not, hey, we've got this stuff that we're trying to market, sell, whatever. Uh, but what's what do our independent retailers need to be successful? Right. And what do our CPG partners need to be successful? And if you can deliver against those objectives, you're going to be successful leading back to that sort of sympathy, understanding where they're coming from, understanding their needs versus saying, we want you to participate in this program because you participated in it before, right? right. Taking a step back. And I think having coming into this role with my experience on consulting and with you know a fresh set of eyes probably allows that even more than has happened before. Yeah. Yeah. You bring such great background to it, Michael. Yeah, are there, <clears throat> are there retailers and or brands, both would be great, um, that you really feel are taking the right steps ahead, you know, are looking at things more from both the retailer brand, like the, the triple win, I guess is what I'd like to say, like the retailer brand and consumer. I'm going to be quoting that all the time now, by the way. Yeah, um, I, love I love it. Um, the other one I use a lot is brand and demand because I, I love that too. So um, are there any companies out there that you see doing the triple win really well that in your new role within IGA and in talking to different brands that you're thinking, you know, thinking through or looking at different elements of how they're doing it well that you want to incorporate in your new role? Yeah, so uh, I think I'm contractually obligated to say IGA is doing it really well. Of course. Um, but, but you know, to be honest, I think um, in, in this space, a lot of times we, we hold brands or companies up, retailers up as like, oh, they're doing it amazingly. Uh, I, I don't think there's anyone who's doing everything amazing across the board. So the, the key is to take best practices, as I was saying, like through our global community to create wins. Uh, and so I think there's there's definitely brands who are doing things well. Uh, you know, my, I guess, alma mater, Coca-Cola, I think does a good job uh, of partnering with retailers and a good job of um, being inclusive within their marketing uh, for the ecosystem. Obviously, I think P&G does a good job. But, you know, there's there's even smaller brands who are doing a good job in terms of, you know, we've seen good stuff come out of like, you know, although it's bigger now, kind and and other brands who really take into account what the shoppers needs are and what the retailers needs are. Mm -hmm. And then obviously uh, on the retail side um, or retailer side, uh, you know, I think Wakefern ShopRite's always done a great job. Obviously, HEB in terms of creating experiences and um activities that shoppers want to be a part of and you know, you know being smart about how they engage cpgs within that uh, are some good examples right wow so speaking of how they engage consumers i'm gonna ask you to get your crystal ball out for just a second and see if you can what would you predict is going to change we've had so much change happening but what do you what do you see happening next from a consumer behavior, from a how retailers and brands respond to that kind of sense? Yeah, so um, I, I've learned a long time ago never to make prognostications. <laughs> I'm a marketer, not a, not a futurist. And I think if you were to go back and judge most futurists against their predictions, you'd find their hit rates pretty small. Right. Uh, that being said, I think there's a number of trends that we're seeing today that will only accelerate and continue. So I think the uh, shoppers seeking value. So we're seeing, uh, unfortunately, manufacturers take uh, promotions and, and value out of the system. 
at the same time, shoppers desire it more. So in, in the case of uh, sort of offers within, within the IGA system, we're seeing uh, the value that shoppers are taking uh, or through our offers is up 20% versus total 2022. Uh, so we're already, you know, we're not even nine months in and we're seeing more than value that's being given than all of last year. And so I think within that, there's going to be this tension between brands and, and shoppers of uh, shoppers are always seeking value and CPG at this time is trying to pull things back. So I think that's uh, a future disconnect that will come to light uh, probably within the next six to 12 months. Uh, and I think that's something that we all need to be aware of in terms of what shoppers and what people's needs are in this challenging economic time. And then I think, you know, uh, you don't need to be a futurist to say, you know, sort of the world of omnichannel is here to stay. Um, I am a, a firm believer, again, in sort of that you know, consumer experience, shopper first, whatever you want to call it. And I think to some extent, uh, there's a danger of, you know, killing the golden goose. We don't want uh, what consumers see online to become Times Square, right, <laughs> where everything's an ad, et cetera. Uh, there, there, there's a term that uh, I've co-opted, uh, the enshittification of retail media, right? So mm-hmm. if we turn retail media into Times Square, if we do things that are not in the shopper's best interest, and in the case of retailers' best interest, we're going to uh, make it so people don't want to actually shop online. And so I think there's a big danger in in that, as well as obviously a big opportunity. We've all seen the you know the slides that are the hockey stick of growth, et cetera. And you look at it and go, this will never stop. Isn't it great? But it will stop if we dive into it head first without thinking about what the end result should be. Uh, and you know, if you think about historically, Facebook, right? You used to see all your friends on Facebook and all their stuff. Now you go on Facebook and, and you see ads and you're like, I don't really want to participate. So this enshittification is a trend that has happened time and time again on digital platforms. And if we allow it to happen within retail media, shame on us. Yeah. You shared that term with me the other day when we chatted and I was like, wait, writing it down. Like, what is that? Um, I'm like, is that a real thing? Is that a Michael term? What's going on? But, but you're so right about that Times Square-ification too. Like everybody in personal and professional is noticing how much more is being piled onto the consumer. And it, that is the opposite of the triple win. That is a triple lose. Yeah. Yeah. yeah I think, you know, there, you, you might have, uh, retailers who win because of that and they're getting more dollars, et cetera. But if the shoppers go away, then, you know, then, then you've lost it. So I think you've got to keep that in mind and you've got to ensure that uh, you're, you have an eye on the prize as well as an eye on sort of current state and what shoppers need because if you're not making their life easier in some form or fashion um, and you're putting up barriers, that's going to be an issue. Right. I, I heard a panel when I was in Cannes about this, and I thought the best line was, even though some media is paid and some media is earned, we have to remember that all attention is earned. And we will. And and if we if we look at every paid media placement as as how do I earn this attention? What do I do here that's going to give that? 
I think we're in a much better place than if we say, you know, you just place ads because you can and you and you smatter them all over. I, I love the Times Square comment and I'm going to use that. So, yeah, I think uh, and I'll and I'll use use your uh, attention piece. But I think, you know, one of the biggest things uh, in marketing or even strategy, right, they say it's not important what you do, it's perhaps more important what you don't do or to eliminate the things that you could do. So this notion of just because you can doesn't mean you should. Mm -hmm. Right. You're so right. I mean, it's, it's, it's being mindful. It's being thoughtful. It's planning. It's thinking through, thinking through the different constituents um, that sometimes in our very rushed economy that we're in is hard to achieve. You can't achieve it a hundred percent of the time, but you certainly should make it a goal. Yeah. And, you know, like anything, it's uh, important for you to lift your head up from the day to day of I'm, I'm, I'm after this objective, I'm after this objective, uh, but lift your head up from the day to day and go, you know, are, are we headed in the right direction? Look around, see what others are doing and be thoughtful. Yep. Exactly. I know. It's very important to do. And then as we kind of round down this amazing conversation, um, Michael, you know, we know, you know, life has made been very much a potpourri for many of us um, during these past few years. That's what I'm, the way I put it. I try to make it positive um, ish. Uh, what other what things have you done in your personal life to also keep a good balance or try a new hobby or get back to something that you used to like to do? Oh, my. That's that's a interesting question. And uh, <laughs> especially for somebody who doesn't like the smell of potpourri. Just sort of sticks in my <laughs> Or how are you interacting with people yeah. differently? We, we get amazing answers to this so we're ready for your amazing answer oh boy uh, yeah <laughs> i i think it, it's what i said earlier in terms of just lifting your head up and taking you know forcing yourself to take time so you're not stuck in the day-to-day or stuck in the project work or stuck in meetings and um, i've been very fortunate to have a career where i've met a, a wide variety of people and you know i often forget you know, all of a sudden we'll get on calls like this. I'm like, oh my God, like that was so refreshing and so wonderful. And I think taking breaks to have conversations uh, in person or, you know, just you know, old fashioned phone is, is very invigorating, especially within our industry. There's so many smart people. There's so many fun things that are happening. There's so many exciting things that are happening that, you know, regardless of where you sit in the ecosystem, you can't have access to unless you have conversations. And right. so, you know, making sure that you spend time and catch up with people that you've perhaps haven't caught up with in a while. I've got a call later on, somebody who worked with me back in the MyCoke Rewards days uh, that we just haven't had an opportunity to connect with. Uh, you know, force yourself to make time, you know, kind of like time blocking on your calendar, you know, set some goals and say, okay, I want to talk to three people today who have nothing to do with my day to day, but can add value to my life. Right, right. It's it's so important. Yep. And that's selfishly why Risa and I do this yep. podcast, because it's we missed these things. We missed the yes. coffee conversations and the lunch conversations and the things that used to happen. And um, yeah, I agree with you that it's what makes life work. Yeah. It's, it's much harder now that you moved to Raleigh for us to have our coffee conversations here in Atlanta. No, but we'll have to have a virtual, a virtual coffee conversation. Yeah, absolutely. I know. I think those are important because it's good to, you know, stretch the brain, right? You know, it's really important. And if we just are on Zooms every half hour doing 
the the norm ish you know where the brain doesn't get a stretched and you're a person that really appreciates that um and we're just so happy you joined us for the cpg scoop end of august summer summer keep holding on to summer edition it's been such a pleasure i've taken pages of notes which is again how we stretch our brains and we want our our folks that listen in yep me too um so listening in to really you know take something from this and and maybe think about things a little bit differently than they did before our wonderful podcast so thank you michael for joining us today Awesome. Thanks for having me. Great talking to you both. Really, really appreciate it. Thank you so much. Thanks, everybody, for listening. Thank you.